0: Alright, we're going to be in the book of Acts today. That's where we're going to be for the next next little while. Um, we, we started last week in this series called They Turned the World Upside Down. And if you think about the disciples and all the disciples had, had been through with Jesus over their three years of teaching, it really comes down to the book of Acts. And, and the book of Acts just gives us this history of what happens when those principles, those uh, teachings of Jesus were, were preached... And then when the teachings were coupled with the promise, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, that they literally changed the world so much that you and I are sitting here today having this conversation about the early church. And so in Acts chapter 17, verse 6, it says this, that these men who turned the world upside down have come here also. That's the way that people were referring to these early followers of jesus they weren't just people that were practicing this new religion like everyone else there was something different about what they were speaking there was something different about the way that they were carrying themselves it was a lot of difference between them and the world because they were living in a kingdom of heaven mentality they were their citizens of heaven and so the the question that we want to we want to continue to ask as we study the book of acts is this if my spirit if his spirit is in us then why are we not doing the same stuff as those who received the Spirit in Acts chapter 2 why aren't we doing the same things has the Spirit changed us or have we muzzled the Holy Spirit so the disciples they, they turned this whole world upside down because of what they saw what they witnessed they, they saw this man Jesus who was dead and he came back to life And he came back in power. And so it was their knowing and their seeking that did something within them. That they could not contain the story of what they had seen and what they had heard and what they had experienced. So they become carriers of this gospel message. Many people would refer to them as radicals. Which we would think, man, that's a little harsh term. But if you really look up that word radical in the Latin, it just means a group of people where something really took root. And and that's exactly what Jesus did. He taught them, and his teachings took root within these disciples where it began to grow. And now the gospel is being spread, but before it can make its full impact, before the gospel can go through the nations, there is this very specific instruction that Jesus gives in Acts chapter 1. And he says this, You just need to wait. Because there's a lot of times that we feel that we should constantly be doing, I got to do this, I got to do that when it comes to, to our walk with Christ. But there's sometimes where the Holy Spirit says, what you need to do is wait, because they can get overzealous. And one of the thoughts of the, of the disciples would be this, we have just seen him lifted into the sky, the ascension has just happened, and we've learned all these things. Let's just go and start talking about it and telling people but Jesus told them to wait because he didn't want them doing ministry without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit so he sends them back into Jerusalem they gather and they're waiting and while they're waiting they appoint a new Apostle they appoint a guy named Mathis he's replacing Judas because of what Jesus Judas has done and they're just waiting and while they're waiting, the Bible tells us that there is about 120 total believers in this, in this gathering, in this room. There's men, there's women. They're waiting. They're praying. They've gathered together in this eager anticipation for the arrival of this promise of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to, I want you to see something. The markings of the early church. Prayer. Not wasn't anything fancy. It wasn't a seminar. It wasn't a fifteen different ways that we can grow this movement. It was wait and pray. And so the early church was marked in prayer and obedience right out of the gate. And they gathered, and they prayed, and they were waiting on the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And the story picks up here in Acts chapter two when the day of Pentecost arrived. They were all, say this with me, they were all what? Together. This is actually, Acts chapter 2 is where we actually get the name Together Church, by the way. They were together in one place. This is the marking of the early church. There was this unity. And it says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And by the way, um, 95% of the time when we see the word house used in the scripture, house is referring to the the temple of God. So they're, they're believed to have been standing on the steps of the temple around all these other people that had come to worship and to give their sacrifices and to do their duties as, as good Jewish men and women. And they're standing here, sitting here, and it says that all of a sudden this mighty rushing wind and it fills this entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as the fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit had given them this this utterance. There are a couple of things I want you to see here. These believers are together in a house waiting and praying. And out of nowhere, what they have been waiting on, they're caught off guard. No warning system. This is a big boom. And when this boom hits, Here comes the Holy Spirit everything that Jesus had promised the power that they were going to need for this world to be changed with the gospel message has now entered into the picture and let's not forget Jesus tells them in the book of John that it's going to be best that I leave so that the Holy Spirit will come and when he comes he's going to be your guide. He's going to be your counsel, he's going to be your enlightenment, he's going to be every single thing that you're going to need, because the message that Jesus has preached to us, especially as we studied the Sermon on the Mount, we cannot do this by ourselves. So he says, I'm sending you a helper that's going to be with every person, and the Holy Spirit is not going to come upon you, the Holy Spirit is going to dwell within you, and there's a difference between coming upon and dwelling within, taking up residence within our hearts and our lives. So the promise of Jesus has been fulfilled in this very moment, in this very room. And by the way, that same spirit that entered into the hearts and the lives of those first followers is right here today. Dwelling within your body. So why are we not seeing the same things happen that we see in the book of Acts? If it's the same Holy Spirit, the same one that would come and would empower them and give them the strength and the courage to fight through even persecutions that they were so willing to lay their lives down for the cause of Jesus. And I want you to understand this too, Every single person there that day was filled with the Holy Spirit. We have this, this notion that only the 12 were filled with the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. It's not just the 12. Every follower of Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the promise. And the moment that the Holy Spirit came, they were doing things. And I want you to notice this. They were doing things that were outside of their power. Speaking this unknown language they were from Galilee they, half of them couldn't even tie their sandals correctly and, and now all of a sudden they're doing something that's miraculous and this was just the start because as we move through the history of these disciples they're gonna be people that are gonna be healed of sicknesses there's gonna be movements that are gonna happen based off these men being empowered by the Holy Spirit and, and there's gonna be movements that are gonna happen based off these women who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now Luke is writing the book of Acts, and as he's writing this, he wants to record and give us evidence because he wants to make sure, especially with this Jewish audience, that they understand that this is a promise of the Holy Spirit that that even Joel talked about when he prophesied the coming of the Spirit, and, and so he gives us these very clear evidences. That this is indeed the arrival of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't some tornado, a wind that just happened to come through, and it just didn't so happen that people had fire come upon them and were speaking in languages that they didn't know. And so he says this that the sound like a mighty rushing wind came. Okay, so I want you to jot that in your head. So two of the things that they experienced, one of those would be wind, a mighty rushing, loud wind. Think and when I say this now don't think about going and sitting out on a hot day in the park and you feel the cool breeze it wasn't a cool breeze it, it was enough that that some of these disciples probably had a little pee pee accident in their robes because it scared them it, it I want you to think tornado knocking on your door and we understand what that sounds like here in Monks corner right it was scary and it came out of nowhere and, and so they, they want to make sure Luke wants to capture this piece that's so important is that it was wind. The second thing that they were marked by were the sight of tongues of fire. So fire would be another evidence of the coming of the Holy Spirit. This was the arrival of God's presence through the Spirit. Now, these, these Jewish people would have automatically recognized these two symbols of wind and of fire. The wind would have been a, a sure, this, is, this has got to be a marking of God and, and the fire has got to be a marking of God. Because they think back that the fire in the Old Testament, which is what the Jewish people studied, always symbolized the presence of God. So by the fire coming down upon them was the Holy Spirit's presence indwelling within them. Are y'all tracking with me so far? Their whole theology base was off at this point Because all they knew was that the Holy Spirit would just come upon us and leave He would come and he would leave He'd come, would do something supernatural, he'd leave Not anymore Because that, he has changed the locks on the door of our lives And he has made it his home And so we see fire Numerous times through the scriptures, the burning bush was the presence of God when he was talking to Moses. The burning bush in the wilderness leading them when they were just wandering, lost, going around and around and around, speaking in different languages. Even though it was a bunch of people from Galilee, they were speaking languages to a whole host of other human languages, sharing the gospel message. They had been empowered. This was nothing that was within them that they could have possibly done. They, they never really left Galilee unless it was good to go to Jerusalem. So when Jesus said that you're going to take the gospel into all the world, they were like, well, and we haven't gone more than past Jerusalem. Like, we don't really know what's out there. And so the Holy Spirit fills these believers and they start preaching the gospel. Because Jesus said, you will receive power. You will receive power, and I want you to understand something. You don't receive power so you can say, look, look how holy I am. Look how great I am. Look, look at all the things I've done. He says this, you will receive power so that you can be my witness. Because it, it's going to take a lot for people to believe that a man died, And raised himself from the dead in three days. And then did all these miracles. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to come in and do some some work for you. And and can I just tell you that we get so uptight when we're trying to share the gospel with somebody. Because we're going to mess it up. You have been given power to be his witness. And there ain't nothing that you can do to mess it up that the Holy Spirit can't fix. Can, Can I get an amen right there, somebody? I didn't go to bed until 2 o'clock this morning, and the Gamecocks one, and I had a cup of coffee, so I'm feeling a little, you know what I'm saying? The people in that room were Jewish, they experienced this, they understood the wind, they understood the fire 50 days after this Passover. They knew the story of Passover, you remember this, if you watched Charleston Heston's Ten Commandments growing up as a kid, like I did, th- there was this moment in the story to where the plagues were just coming on, on to Egypt, and God said, I'm going to continue sinning them until Pharaoh finally wakes up and says, I'm going to let God's people go. And then one of the things that they did was they said, Listen, we're going to take out some people, but if you don't want your kid taken out, what you should do is go get you some lamb's blood, okay? And I want you to take the lamb's blood and I want you to dip it and wipe it above the doorpost. Could you imagine driving into your neighborhood this afternoon and everybody's out with lamb's blood all over their doors? You know? Typically, they come ask for a cup of sugar, but in this case, they were asking for lamb's blood. If the lamb's blood was over the door, the death angel, when he came, would literally pass over your house. And this was a reminder of God's faithfulness to the people. And so so all these stories, all the scripture, because people say, well, the Old Testament really doesn't have anything to do with the New Testament. Uh, I beg your pardon. It has everything to do with it, because the Old Testament is constantly pointing to Jesus. And then the New Testament is constantly pointing back, going, see the connection? Jesus is in everything. And so they're picking up these And this is all from experience. Nobody has said anything yet, by the way. They pick up the fire. They pick up the wind reference. They get the Passover because they remember that their people, their ancestors walked out of Egypt. And they walked in the wilderness. And while they're walking in the wilderness, it says this crazy thing happened right here in the book of Exodus. It says, and the Lord went before them. By day in a pillar of cloud. Now we think of some big fluffy cloud, like just hovering. I want us to go back to the analogy and think tornado. There's 1.5 million people that Moses is trying to move into the promised land. There is a big tornado going before them. Okay? And they see this. And it says, so this pillar of cloud led them along the way. And by night there was a pillar of fire and the fire gave light that they might travel by day and they can travel by night and the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from the people God is making a mark right here on their hearts of saying listen my presence is here Jesus may be gone but I have not left you and I have given you a helper and I have given you someone that is going to lead and guide and direct you you have to take hold of it. So we have this, this pillar of cloud, this pillar of fire. God shows up after Passover to lead the people from slavery to liberty. From slavery to liberty. And the Jewish people in that upper room quickly are putting all these things together. That he, they're seeing that he's going to guide them. They pick that up from Exodus chapter 40 because every single day there was a pillar. He knew that they were going to protect him. In Exodus chapter 14, the pillar protected them. It got between God's people and Egypt. And they would pick up that this is the presence of God with us for every day because all 40 years they're in the desert, God never gave up on them. He was always leading and got, even when, by the way, it was 40 days, it was 40 years. It was only supposed to take about seven days to get from Egypt to the promised land but disobedience and grumbling will do nothing for you but get you lost in the wilderness and that's what they did and it, it cost them because God said well you know what? I'm just gonna kill off this entire generation and start over and that's what he did and so they pick this up he's making them a wind and a fire people you following me a wind and a fire people marked by wind and fire And so Jesus is showing us that we are to be a spirit and a word people, that we are indwelled with the spirit, and when the spirit is within us, it pushes everything else out, even if we don't understand it. So his presence is there among the people every single day. It would be a lot easier for us, wouldn't it, if there was just a constant reminder of a pillar of cloud at our doorstep every morning when we walk out and go, okay, God's with me today. And at night, there's a pillar of fire. It'd be a lot easier. But I can tell you, it doesn't look the same. But the presence is still there. And the presence of God is not waiting on the doorstep. He dwells within the house that you live in. Within the car that you drive. Within the place that you work. His presence is there. So God's preparing the hearts of those who will encounter him. And so the Spirit of God, and I want you to catch this, the Spirit of God is constantly at work around you preparing people because He's a presence God. He's a relationship God. He has equipped you to be a witness. He has empowered you to be a witness. So He's getting people's lives ready for you to have conversations with because He's working in people. In Joshua chapter 2, after those 40 years of following this pillar through the wilderness, they end up in this place called Jericho. They're scoping it out because this is going to be one of the first places that they they fight the battle to go into the promised land and begin taking the promised land. And somehow, I don't know, I still think it's weird. And if I'm I'm able to ask any questions when I get to heaven, it's going to be this one. Um, Could you please explain to me, 12 spies, how out of all the people in Jericho, you end up at the prostitute's house? Just, I don't know. So, Joshua comes into contact with this prostitute named Rahab. I want, you to say, I want you to hear me out. They've been in the wilderness, and the only people they have been around, Israelites. That's all they knew. They really haven't experienced any kind of freedoms yet, because they were slaves. Their ancestors were slaves, and everything they ever did, they were told what to do. They didn't have any outside doings with anybody on the outside, this is a scandalous situation happening here because a Jewish person is taking the message of God to a Gentile and a prostitute at that, right? And, And so he meets Rahab and she very quickly says, we know who you are. Now, Rahab is not a believer of God. But how did Rahab know who Joshua and those guys were? Can I I just tell you my take on it? She didn't know what it was, but it was the Holy Spirit preparing her heart for this moment. She didn't know. There's some people that know that God's talking to them, but they don't realize that it's God talking to them. They don't realize that this the Holy Spirit working. And what they need is for someone who has experienced that before to point out what it is. That is the Spirit talking to you. And so here's Rahab. She says, we know who you are, and we know who your God is. She said, our, and I love this phrase, she said, our hearts have melted thinking about you. Now, well, she didn't know they've been in disobedience. That's why it's taken them 40 years. But sometimes God will put you on the detour to put you in the place of the one person that he needs you to minister to so that they can get to the place they need to be. And so, she says, our hearts have melted thinking of you. The Spirit put it on her heart. And God was preparing the hearts of those that the Israelites would encounter. If you'll just at some point today open your Bible to Matthew chapter 1 I just want you to read the genealogy of the names that are listed in Matthew chapter 1 because they never would put females names in the genealogy in any of them did you get the Matthew chapter 1 there are four ladies named. you know who's in the genealogy of Jesus Rahab the Holy Spirit was working way before they knew he was working way before they left the bondage of Egypt he was working when they were in the wilderness, just going around and around and around, and they had their own problems. God was working in the heart of Rahab and some of her people. Now track back to me with Acts. Remember, it's the day of Pentecost. And Jews from all around the known world, they've gathered in this place. This is a very strategic moment to be spreading the gospel because you have all these people from all these known worlds at the time. So this is a good time to be sharing the gospel because I can share what I know with these people and they're going to take it back to their place and the gospel is going to spread. So the disciples would not have been able to make this happen on their own human ability. Okay, I, I need you to understand that. They were everyday people just like you and me. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2. Remember, the Israelites have been raised to be wind and fire people. Okay? Okay says in Acts chapter 2 verse 5 now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews there were devout men from every nation under heaven and at this sound the multitude came together okay yeah of course they did because they were trying to figure out what the big boom was and at this at at this sound the multitude came together they were bewildered and, and because each one was hearing them speak in his own language And they were amazed and astonished. Those are words that always come when we talk about the Holy Spirit, by the way. And he says that they were saying, all are not all those, they're not all speaking Galileans? These are not just Galileans? How how in the world did they they get a copy of, of Learn My Language in Five Minutes? I mean, what happened here? And he says, how is it, that we hear each of us in his own native tongue, the the Parthians and the Medes and the Elamites and the residents of uh, Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya and Fiji, and there are all kinds of different names here by the way and Cyrene, they're visitors from Rome all these people are here he said there's both Jews and proselytes there's Cretans, there's Arabians and we hear them telling them in their own tongues the mighty works of God they they had an ability that the Holy Spirit gave them to be the witness because they were empowered to be witnesses and and they could have said well we're empowered to be witnesses but we don't even speak this language it doesn't matter because the Holy Spirit's going to give you the gift to do what you need to do when it's time to do it stop being scared Here's the problem when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We need to take off the seatbelt. I grew up understanding that, yeah, the Holy Spirit's in the Bible, and it's really cool, and it's a really cool story to talk about. But I think we've talked it to death. What does it look like when we live it? What does it look like when the seatbelt comes off? And we just say, Holy Spirit, whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. This is... The approach of these disciples, they said, In your hands we will be used however you want us to be used. Now I want you to understand this too. Before they did something great, they were in prayer. There was a prayer movement that goes before the supernatural, always. So their wind, what kind of people are they? Wind and what? That led them into the city streets. In languages everyone began to understand now I have this map and I showed this a few years ago these are all the fun cities okay you see the fire in Jerusalem these are every one of those cities that have been named and it's on your handout too this is every one of those cities and those places that have been named so when they shared the gospel message and the Holy Spirit came down and they're speaking these languages all those people took that gospel message back home. And at that time, that is all of what was the known world of that moment from 12 ordinary men. Now, if you'll remember, it wasn't too long ago before this story, because Peter's going to preach a sermon and 3,000 people are going to give their hearts and life to Christ. It wasn't too long that he had just cut the ear off of somebody trying to start a riot. It wasn't too long before that that he denied that he even knew who Jesus was. It wasn't too long before that that he got an argument about who was going to be sitting at the right hand of the Father. Your, your past mess-ups and hang-ups and, and bad habits do not hinder the Holy Spirit's work. He will convict you of those. He will break those and empower you to share the gospel message. Your past is not a dissonance. Your past is a platform to show what the Holy Spirit can do when he gets in someone's life to transform it. These people were wind and fire people. Those are the worst combinations that you could ever have together, is it not? You, You would never want to start a fire in your backyard on an extremely windy day because you can't control it. I do not think that it was by accident that God would say that we are wind and fire people. The problem is we can't control the Holy Spirit, and we have tried to too often. It's uncontrollable. This is why Jesus says the Holy Spirit's like the wind, He comes and goes wherever He wants to go. He does whatever he needs to do, however he needs to do it. So now, instead of having one pillar of fire, the Holy Spirit comes down and he has a lot of pillars of fire showing his presence. Because there's a fire that resides in each one of those early followers of Jesus, just like there's a fire inside of each and every one of us. And it needs to be kindled. This is why we talk about don't be in isolation because that fire needs to be kindled being around other people who are spurring you on. So Peter will preach over 3,000 men and women respond to the gospel of Jesus and this is the nature of the Holy Spirit that we've lost in the American church. And I believe that God wants to take us from an Old Testament place where there's one force that shows up every once in a while and take us to a New Testament place where he wants to lead and empower us every single day, every single moment. Because the Spirit shows us that he's on the go. This is why the church is a movement. It's not a a come and see what we're doing. It's a go and tell people what's happening. We've gotten that backwards in the church, haven't we? Oh, come see what we got. Come hear what we do. Come to this. No. Go. (laughs) Go. Go. Go tell the gospel message because I don't feel any wind in this room. Wind goes outside here and it wreaks havoc on everything, doesn't it? I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's not here, but I'm saying that his not noticeable when he's out there because we come in here with expectations. So, I was, was a couple of weeks ago. I know this series is coming, and, and every Sunday and every week I, I call Mickey. Mickey is one of our elders here at the church, and, and we talk, and he, he drills me on some things and makes me think. And, and he said, what are you preaching in a couple of weeks? I said, In the Holy Spirit. Now, anytime time I say the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, like, comes alive automatically in Mickey. And we were talking, and, and, and we were trying to, 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 how do people get it? How do people get it? Like, how, not, like, get the Holy Spirit. We know how that happens, but how do they start to put this into practice and really gather it? And one of the things that, that he said was um, well, you, you gotta be willing to be used. Well, I don't know if y'all know this, but he's an extraordinary knife maker. He makes knives, right? So he, he was kind enough to loan me this piece of steel. Now look at this knife. This is probably the one that Peter did. That's probably why I couldn't chop the head off. Isn't this a nice knife? It's not a knife? This is a piece of steel, expensive steel, $50 steel. Probably in today's economy, this is probably about $250. We'll put this in the offering bucket on the way out. But this is steel. Now I want you to notice something. Mickey's told me that he's had this piece of steel particularly for eight years. Every time that he's opened his cabinet, this has never changed form. This has always been the same thing. It's always been just one piece of of steel. It's, It's really useless. I mean, you might be able to use it as a door prop or draw a straight line. But, I mean, other than that, it's it's not really making an impact, is it? But as we were talking about that that piece of steel, you know, this is where we all are. This is where we start out. We're just a form. The question is, do we allow God to begin to mold us? There's a process. I'm now going to feel like the safest pastor in the world when I start opening this box. So if you've ever wanted to try something, today is the day. But there's a process. And the process is that you know, you have to take this, and, and when this is in the hands of, of the creator, that, that piece of steel can start to take a little bit of shape. Right, that's, that's a good knife, right? I'm a stick, but could, this would sell in prison. Um, but there, this isn't finished. It's got some, I mean, it, this is way more useful than this, right? Which one do you want in the fight? Okay, that's what I thought. Now, some of you, y'all come from Dillon, you're like, no, we want that still right there because we know what that'll do. But this isn't finished and it's starting to take shape. But now this has to go through some fire, it's got to experience some heat, right? And so this is, this is going to go through, through some heat. And it's going to go through its next day. And it's starting to take a little bit more shape. Like, it, it's, been, it's, it's been through the fire. It's been shaped. But, but it's not, the Holy Spirit isn't finished with our lives. Like, it's not finished with this product. So, he, he's going to keep on, keep on carving and, and getting it right. And the thing is, this is not comfortable for the knife, by the way, because it's going through some very, very hot fire to treat it, right? And it's going through some cuts, and there's some sparks. But the, but the, the creator has, has a vision for what, for what this What this can be and and it doesn't happen in like an hour this is why I would never be a good knife maker this takes days just to get here but it's not finished it's got it's got to have some more finishing to it and then it's got to go through some more some more fire and the knife got bigger somehow but and it takes on a little bit more detail it's got to go through some more fire and when, because you've got to keep it hot. And then, and then it really starts to clean up. And look, at that, that's, that's nice. Looks good. Useful. But not complete. And see, this is where I think a lot of us get, like, we get the Holy Spirit, and that's where it stops, right there. Is it, I mean, it's shiny, it's pretty. we we got a good, but this, this isn't doing us any good. But if we'll continue letting the artist work, what'll happen is you end up with this. Did, did, y'all, did, y'all, see, did y'all see this with, with this? Because it, it wasn't, it was here the whole time. And you didn't know that it was here the whole time. I mean, honestly, I didn't even know that, that this this was even there. I just thought it was a piece of steel sitting in, in, on the shelf. But now this is useful and expensive. That's why it's here, making sure I give it back. But now this thing has use. And one of the things that I've noticed these things never really had a handle on it. We had a making of the handle, but all the attention to detail was really paid up in the top. But now there's a handle for the master to hold and use however he needs to use it. But this knife still isn't finished. It now has a purpose. And over the course of its lifespan, it's going to have to be sharpened. And there's a process that this will have to go through. What, what does that have to do with anything? I, mean, I made this nice little case for it because sometimes the Holy Spirit just gives extras, you know. Um, what, does, what does that have to do with anything? Well, here's what it has to do, and I think it has to do with everything of what we're talking about. We think that we have the Holy Spirit and we don't but if, because we don't see it. Some of you are skeptical because of what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've experienced about the Holy Spirit. And, and when you hear these teachings, this is all you see It's just a piece of, Metal. But your life in the hand of the creator can be so much more. Because one of the things I love about the knife illustration is that the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. And, the, and we've learned Jesus will take us through some, some seasons of fire. Won't he? And he wants to take you to another one. And it's the fire of the spirit burning away selfish desires to sharpen you in the work of the Spirit and the work of what He wants to do. But a lot of us just get stuck right here. And I just wonder what it would look like for us to see beauty in something like this. In your life. I, I ask what would it look like for us to trust because there has to be a trust and we have to pursue those things that God has called us to the spirit and I know some of you say well I don't have what it takes because this is what you see you don't have what it takes some of you are relying on yourself and this is what relying on yourself looks like some of you shrink back some of you stop engaging. Some of you stop relying on the Holy Spirit because you don't. And I don't think it's because you just don't care. I just think that you, it's that you don't know how. You don't know how. I would tell you to get in the game and just tell the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you the same thing I told our elders. Just say, teach me. I'm listening. And read everything you can pray through the book of Acts read the book of Acts make notes of the book of Acts we cannot be a movement without the spirit it's like going and buying a brand-new car and getting home and there's no motor in it now I don't know how you got that car home with no motor in it but that's neither here nor there let me give you a couple of illustrations If somebody in your disciple group is hurting Posture yourself your posture should be this. I have the Spirit of God. I don't have all the answers But I can still step in and engage and care for them because I have the Spirit of God to be his witness If your neighbor or you have a friend that is unbelieving And they're asking questions your posture should be I Have anybody want to finish that I have the Spirit of God which is a spirit not of fear but of courage and if someone new walks into our church this is going going to get you now but if somebody new walks into this gathering of people and they don't know anybody your posture should be I have the Spirit of God I have the Spirit of God so I'm not waiting for the welcome team, I'm not waiting on the specific person to come up to him. I'm going to push through whatever my social anxiety is and I'm going to meet somebody new because I have the spirit of God and that person that walked in that door might be the very th- reason that I'm here this morning because God has divinely appointed this moment for me to speak to that person. We've had people that have walked in here and have said there was no doubt they were supposed to be here because of situations and they connected with somebody else and it literally has saved their life. So here's where I wanna leave you today. There's a lot more we can talk about with the Holy Spirit. But I wanna leave you with this. I have the Spirit of God. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to engage because I have the Spirit of God. He says you will receive power put your name right there on the count of three I want you to say your name and we're gonna complete the sentence when he says that you will receive power just insert your name there one two three and guess what you have received power so I want to pray for you I'm gonna pray that the Holy Spirit rattle you that he will not let you get a night's sleep until you pay him some attention because he longs to be with you father I pray right now for your Holy Spirit to fall on this place I pray that your spirit would be awakened with each one of us that the fire in the wind people that you've called us to be that we will that we will be your witnesses not just in foreign countries but right here in our own backyard to our neighbors our coworkers. father i i pray that your spirit would rattle our lives that we would be saturated in your spirit so in these next moments spirit just fall on this place Bring your conviction. Let us be grateful for the helper that has come. And we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing.